Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. Uh, We come as imperfect people. We come as people who often struggle with your will, what you call us to. We struggle to sometimes be what you desire, and we find it so easy to go in a course that is not blessed by you, to take a wrong path. As we talk about forgiveness, Lord, I, I know that probably for many of us, this has, will be, or maybe is currently an issue for us. Forgiving someone, hearing your call to do that, and yet finding such a struggle in it. And so, Father, I pray that by your Spirit, you'll work in our hearts and lives and help us to understand what you want us to do, what it means and how we live in a way that honors our Savior, in whose name we pray, amen. Well, if you haven't been with us, uh, you won't know that we're in a a series of messages uh, on forgiveness. And um, we looked and discovered something of God's great forgiveness of us, and we looked at what it means to be in relationship with other people and to have the struggles of of forgiving others sometimes for their offenses to us. Uh, Sometimes the issues are small and we can kind of get over them. It's crazy though how sometimes a tiny issue can become such a big issue for us. But there are things that we understand that our human nature we struggle with uh, greatly. Um, Some of those issues are huge, like some people that I talk to, uh, who who the father had died in the the family, the mother was uh, quite aged, and uh, one of the children took it upon himself without the other two children to have mother sign over power of attorney for everything for him to this one son who was a bit of a renegade. He then put her in a care facility and had control over all her money, wouldn't talk to the other two siblings, and that situation continues now a few years later with the same kind of breach. Forgive? That's a tough one. You're living with that every day. How do you forgive a person like, like that who's also tried to cause a breach between you and your mother and taken control? That's a tough one. How about the woman who was sexually abused by her father from the time she was 13 into her later teens? I struggled with that. A mother who wouldn't wouldn't even hear anything, wouldn't listen to it, wouldn't entertain that. She finally was able to leave home and got some counseling. And after years, she said, uh, the counselor suggested that she try and confront her father. And so she mustered up all the courage she could and, and she went and saw her father and said, Dad, what you did to me was wrong. And he says, what are you talking about? Dad, you won't admit what you've done? there's nothing wrong with that. You, you need to just get over it. Let me ask you, how do you forgive in a situation like that? I mean, there are things that are so difficult 
that we have some kind of an understanding why it can be so difficult for people to get over uh, the pain and the anger, the sense of loss, the desire for retribution, and, and all the rest of that. Forgiveness can seem sometimes like such a wrong, soft, and unjust kind of thing. Uh, sometimes it seems like we just allow evil to, uh, to operate without fear of consequences. Perhaps we think that if we forgive, you know, what we're doing is condoning wrong. Or maybe we've tried forgiveness and it just doesn't work for us. Well, that's tough. And um, we have not really kind of defined forgiveness yet. And so I want to do that, but I want to start by, by helping us to understand first what forgiveness is not. What forgiveness is not. Because I think sometimes we have trouble figuring out, uh, separating what really, really forgiveness is versus what we perceive it to be. Well, first off, what it's not, it's not approving or excusing what was done. If you had been uh, uh, something wrong done to you wrongfully, and, and if you assume uh, sometimes that, well, if, if I forgive, what it means is that I'm really approving of what happened, or I'm just, I'm just excusing it. Um, I'm condoning it. That's not what forgiveness is about. In John chapter 8, Jesus was confronted with a situation where people had stones ready to stone a woman who was caught in adultery. As they stood there, Jesus said, okay, the person who is without sin cast the first stone, and one by one they put the stone down and went home, and Jesus is left with this woman alone. And, and Jesus didn't say, hey, listen, no sweat. You did, you know, I approve of what you did, or I'm just going to excuse what you did. No, he called it out. He he said he said that uh, go and what sin no more. There needs to be an acknowledgement that there's a sin, and and so sometimes in forgiveness we think, well, if I forgive, what I'm really doing is approving or or excusing something. That's not the case at all. Secondly, it's not denying what was done. You know, it's, it's interesting that um, sometimes how we, how we deal with things is we try not to deal with them. We deny it. We, we repress it. And there are all kinds of strategies and, and tax, tactics that we take because maybe it's too painful to even think about what really happened. And so what we do is we, you know, we, we deny it. We, we, we repress it. We just try and put it out of our mind. Forgiveness is not achieved by repressing and denying what happened if there was an offense. You don't have to deny it. It's not tantamount to forgiveness to deny it. Well, next, it's not pardoning what was done. Now, I'm not using pardoning in terms of forgiving here. I'm using it in a kind of a legal sense to offer a legal pardon to somebody for what they've done. Uh, you, don't, you don't have to do that. Forgiveness is not, in fact, extending a pardon uh, or having an official legal pardon extended to a person. Forgiveness doesn't mean that they should not suffer consequences for their action. Let me give you an example. There was a woman who was raped. They caught her captor. 
he was uh, he he was uh, had become a Christian in the meantime, and she had a conundrum. Now, do I testify against this person who did this? Well, yes, you do, because what that was was a civil and and uh, a legal issue, and uh, we don't have to just pardon those kinds of things. That there can be. Uh, consequences for what is done. They just don't, you just don't exonerate wrong. Uh, sometimes there's, there are uh, consequences to pay. King David found that out when he sinned and sinned greatly. And uh, there, was, there were consequences for his sin in his life. So it's not a pardon in that way. And next, it's not reconciliation with offenders. Now hear me on this. This is, this is really important. These are two separate but related issues. You say, well, if I forgive a person, does that mean that uh, is part of forgiveness reconciliation? Well, no, those are actually two separate issues. Uh, uh, forgiveness can, and in many cases, hopefully would lead to a reconciliation, that the relationship would be put back together. Um, and, and restored. But that's not always possible. It's not always advisable either. Uh, if, if, uh, if the offender has died, you can't reconcile. You can forgive what they did, but you can't reconcile. See, um, to reconcile, you need to have two parties willing to come together. Forgiveness requires one. Uh, you, can, you can forgive um, without necessarily reconciling. Now, I'm not saying it's not good to reconcile. It is, but there are some cases in which reconciling uh, would, not, would not be wise. Um, uh, let's, say, uh, let's say this young woman who was uh, sexually molested by her father. Uh, she can forgive him what she did, but that doesn't mean she has to put herself in harm's way where she's her. He's not interested in reconciling. So she can't reconcile that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Um, so reconciliation is, is it's a side issue and an important one, but we can't confuse forgiveness as equating it with reconciliation because sometimes you can't do that. Uh, next, um, forgiveness is not forgetting. Okay, what, what do we hear? You need to... Forgive and forget, right? You hear that? You need to forgive and forget. You know, I don't know, but my memory doesn't work that way. Those things get imprinted uh, on, our, on our brain, and, and we're created with the ability to remember. So you can't just do, like on your computer, uh, a memory wipe, zip, zip, and it's all gone. It, it, it's been erased. Uh, those painful experiences often uh, are, are very deep in our life and, and, and in our memory. And we can't forget. Um, and let me suggest to you, in some cases, if you've forgotten, you've not really forgiven. Because to forgive is, is to not necessarily to have it erased from your memory at all. Um, it's rather to treat it differently. Um, forgiving involves remembering and letting it go. Lewis Smead said this, Forgiving does not erase the bitter past. A healed memory is not a, de- a-, a deleted memory. 
Instead, forgiving what we cannot forget creates a new way to remember, to change the memory of our past into hope for a future. So if you, if you, if you think, um, uh, I've, I've forgiven, but I, I still remember it, that means I didn't forgive. No, they're not, they're not the same. So forgiving is not forgetting. Uh, next, uh, forgiving is not minimizing the wrong. It's not, you know, oh, it was nothing. You could have been hurted, hurt deeply. Does that mean then that, that you have to say, oh, it was, really, it was really nothing? Does forgiveness mean that? No, it doesn't at all minimize that. Nor does it next pretend like you weren't hurt. It's not living in la-la land that there was not some deep uh, hurt in your life. When someone has injured you deeply, it can be absolutely devastating, and forgiveness is not dismissing the pain of that. I love what Lewis Mead says. He says, when we forgive evil, we do not excuse it. We do not tolerate it. We do not smother it. We look the evil full in the face. We call it what it is. Let its horror, shock, and shock stun us and enrage us, and only then do we forgive us. So you may be thinking, well, you know, this is very painful. Do I have to just pretend like nothing big happened? No. You need to confront the reality of that in your life. That's what it's about. Well, then we've said what it's not. Well, what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is first. It's a decision not to hold a person's sin against them. It's a decision that we make not to hold a person's sin against them. So while I was preparing for this, this series of messages, I went through all the different words in the Old Testament and the New Testament in the original language that were used or translated for, for forgiveness or for that concept. And let me give you some of the nuances of these words to help us understand something about what uh, forgiveness is. Uh, forgiveness is, uh, one thing is letting go, letting go, releasing, not holding on to, a canceling, covering, releasing from an obligation, leaving behind, lifting away guilt, taking it away. Um, these, are all, these are all nuances of the words that were used. It's letting it go. It's not holding on to it. it it's, it's not being bound by that anymore. Um, so it's a decision not to hold on to a person's sin against them. If, if, uh, if, let's think of it as Jesus spoke last week in terms of debt. It's forgiving the debt. It's, it's erasing the debt. You did something that indebted you to me, and I'm, I'm letting it go. I'm canceling that debt and, and, uh, and leaving it behind. And so you can, you can um, acknowledge that, admit the hurt, but let it go. Let it go. The first martyr of the church was Stephen. Stephen stood up and defended his faith in the synagogue. And the Jews were absolutely outraged with him. And, and in that outrage, they took him outside of the city 
and they're going to stone him. And in Acts 7, we read this. While they were stoning, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees. Can you imagine the scene? Death by stoning. Stones pelting down until you die. And and here he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. He died. Lord, don't hold the sin against them. I'm not going to hold that. I'm going I'm to let it go. See, he did something that is, I think, even beyond us. Because if we forgive person to person, that's one thing, and I release you from the debt of what you just did to me. But to say, God, my prayer is that you don't hold them accountable for that sin. And that's letting it go. That's letting it go. You say, I'm not there. Okay, I, I understand that. Uh, secondly, it's, it's choosing not to keep a record of wrongs. Listen, I want to tell you, I am really lousy in math. I'm not a good mathematician. Um, but I'm a pretty good bookkeeper when it comes to if you do things against me. I have, I have some things that are, are not in my favor. My memory that doesn't always work well sometimes works really well um, if you do something to me. And, and I, 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 can, I can keep record of the wrongs. I can do bookkeeping. I can, and I can tell you everything you did wrong. The Apostle Paul is talking about love and what love is. In 1 Corinthians 13 and 5, it says this. A love does not dishonor others. It does, it's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. And it keeps no record of wrongs. So, so forgiving is this decision not to hold on to a person's sin against you. And it's not keeping a record of wrongs. Hey, guys, I, you know, we do this. Remember, remember last week we talked about Peter? And Peter is doing everything... Um, uh, Peter says to Jesus, look, at how many times do I have to forgive uh, my brother when he sins against me? Sin, if I, you know, seven times? Pretty good, eh? That's, that's more than double what the rabbis would do. And Jesus said 70 times seven. Don't keep track of wrongs. Forgiving, it, it, that's not letting go when you do that. But yeah, I don't know about you, but when you forgive somebody something, you, you find that sometimes you rehearse the thing. Yeah, remember, remember what you did? I, th- I thought this was forgiven. I thought you let go of that. Yeah, but I, I, I kept a record of it just in case I needed to. Uh, it's choosing not to keep a record of wrongs. Uh, thirdly, it's refusing to dwell on the offense. Uh, on the offense. And when we forgive somebody, we need to stop thinking about it. You have trouble with that? Yeah. I do too. You know, we engage in self-talk. All the, our, our, our minds don't quit. We're, we're talking to ourselves. And, and what we need to do is stop dwelling on the offense in our mind. Yeah, but you know what he did, and, and then he did this, and, 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 and we keep thinking about it, and we keep working it over in our mind, talking to ourselves. That was so unfair. Look at how people looked at me because of what he did, and, and look, because I didn't get that, and, 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 and our mind is going. Well, when, if you're going to forgive, you need to refuse to dwell on the offense. And you know what? As, as I talk with people sometimes, here, here's what they say to me. But pastor, you don't understand. I can't help myself. I just, you know, all these thoughts are in mind. I, yes, you can help yourself. 
don't, you're, you know, you don't, you don't have to become a slave to your, uh, to your thoughts. You need to control your thought life. When you forgive, you've got to stop doing that. You've got to stop focusing on it and thinking about it. Um, in, in Philippians 4, verse 8, the Apostle Paul said something that I think is absolutely um, marvelous and brilliant that we all need. He, he talked about how we, how we think, and this is so crucial. I don't want to uh, apply this in terms of forgiveness. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is, all right, and here's, here's what he's allowing himself to think about. Things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, all of these things, those are the things that you focus on. Those are the things that you think about. Now, you say, well, I, I can't help myself. Like, that offense just comes back into my mind. Okay, that, that happens to all of us. Um, we can't control what pops into our mind. We can control what we do with it. And some of us, you know, just, we just love to go over it and over it and over Now, that's not forgiving. Forgiving is, is letting it go in terms of our thought life. And, and, um, and what we do is we have to replace those thoughts with thoughts that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, and, and control the way we think. And you're in big trouble if you refuse to control how you think. And don't say, I can't do it. You can do it, but it takes a lot of energy, mental energy, to stop and say, no, I am not going there. I'm not going to dwell on that. I'm going to think about things that, the kind of things that are, are true and noble and admirable and all the rest of those things. Um, next, uh, forgiveness is not talking about it to others. <laughs> when we hurt, we need to process right? And some people, some people process uh, by going, um, going into uh, solitude, into their own mind. Other people process by talking things out. And some people talk endlessly about the same stuff. And what they do is they keep talking about the offense. They talk about it. They talk about it. Do you know what happened to me? Yeah, you've told me a dozen times. And and you keep going there, and you tell all your friends what happened to you, what this person did to you, and how terrible it was. And uh, that's not forgiving. When you're forgiving, you you stop uh, focusing on it in your thinking process, and you stop talking about it to others. Now, I'm not saying that there's, there's not a place for a trusted, mature friend to help you process some hurt. Absolutely. But that's not what a lot of us do. A lot of us just get into, um, uh, you know, I'm going to tell my story over and over and over how I was hurt and what they did and, and all the rest of that. That's not helpful. Um, it, it deteriorates into gossip, it hurts the, the offender, the person who offended, and, and, uh, and we can feel really good and satisfied in a very carnal way. We can feel justified. And, and, um, and, and so uh, what, um, what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 4.29 is this. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So, you know, when, when you're just slagging somebody who hurt you and you're telling as many people as you can, that, not forgiveness, not forgiveness. Stop talking about it. Process it with somebody maybe, but stop 
talking about it. Um, Next, forgiveness is refusing to punish the offender. Hey, when you get when you're really hurt, you want to see the person who hurt you get hurt, right? I mean, let's be honest. Um, Hopefully, you're a lot better than I am, and you've never thought that kind of thought. But when somebody really hurts you. Sometimes you feel, oh, you know, I just want them to get theirs. I want them to, I want them to have their issue uh, uh, and, and for them to face something. We want justice. A lot of us want more than justice. We want a pound of flesh. Uh, we want others to suffer. We want revenge. We want to hurt them because they hurt us. Um, that's not forgiveness. Romans twelve nineteen says this. Don't take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. We need to leave those issues with God. Uh, We need, you know, we're not the ones seeking to uh, punish somebody else for what they did. Leave that to God. Because you know what? God knows how to do it right. With God, he's not going all haywire emotional on something. He knows exactly how much and how little and what to do, and, and, and how that functions in that person's life. And, and so we've got to refuse to seek to punish um, the offender. That's not forgiveness. And this is an inner condition next. It's an inner condition. We're dealing here with our mind, with what the Bible says is our heart, our thinking and, and our feeling um, uh, attitude in us. In Proverbs 4.23, it says, Guard your heart, for, uh, for out of it is the, uh, the wellspring of life. Guard your heart, protect your heart, because forgiveness is an, is, is an inner kind of thing. And to have victory, we need to get to the root of it, and the root of it is the heart. In Matthew 15 and 19, Jesus says, Out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. All this stuff comes from a heart that's dark. And we need to understand that, that as we look at, at uh, forgiveness, it's an inner thing. And, and next, uh, to, it, it involves being released from bitterness. Moving toward full, full uh, forgiveness involves being released from bitterness. That's all the emotion that goes with it. The anger and the hurt, the desire for revenge, all of that kind of thing. Uh, it's got to go. Now, we said that forgiveness is a decision. And um, we talk about decisional forgiveness. And that is we make a rational decision that we will forgive somebody and release them from the debt and the hurt that they caused us. And, and you, can, you can do that. You can mentally forgive them. But you may not feel that way. You may struggle with, mm, yeah, but look at what they did. So you're, you're, you're going with God at that point, saying, I'll do that, but, but it's still a struggle. And we talk also about emotional forgiveness. So it's one thing to have decisional forgiveness, but the emotions aren't there. There's the desire for revenge. There's the hurt. There's the bitterness and all of this kind of thing. And, and it, it's not easy to get there. 
It can take some time even to get there where, where we can recall the thing and it, and it doesn't have all of the, um, the emotional baggage when we begin to have emotional forgiveness. You know, and, and the trouble is what we do is when we fail, refuse to forgive, we hurt ourselves. We, we put ourselves through all kinds of stuff where we, we're so angry, we're stressed, uh, we, we begin to have now physical effects uh, from all of this happening. And, and it's a terrible thing. It's, it's, like, it's like eating rat poison and wondering why the rat doesn't die. You eat the rat poison and wonder why the, 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 the rat doesn't die. We poison ourselves with this stuff instead of letting it go. And, and God wants us to release it, including all the bitterness. In Ephesians 4.31, the Apostle Paul says this, Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Get rid of it. Don't hang on to that. Don't keep dwelling on it. Don't keep talking about it. Uh, release it to God. And, and in Hebrews 12.15, it says this, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. When you're bitter, it, it wrecks you. Not only does it wreck you, you can defile other people. You can hurt other people with that. Stop it. Sneed said this, uh, Smeed said this, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and to discover that that prisoner was you. See, you imprison yourself with bitterness and unforgiveness. Let it go and be free from that. Well, next, it's a desire. It's to desire God's grace on the perpetrator. It's moving from wanting them to get theirs, wanting revenge, to wanting God to extend grace and forgiveness to them, to desire for them, to pray for God's blessing upon their life, to pray that uh, that, that offender, God would pour out his mercy and grace on. Now that's not easy to do. Um, Jesus taught that, didn't he? Jesus taught that. Listen, listen to Matthew 5. I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. That's what God is like. He taught this, but Jesus not only taught this, he lived it. Hanging on the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He, he taught it. He lived it. Um, when you begin to pray for those who've hurt you. I mean, and I, I'm not talking about the kind of some of the imprecatory prayers in the Old Testament that just call for judgment. I'm talking praying for grace and mercy. This is what forgiveness looks like. And it can be so intimidating and so seemingly beyond reach when we've been hurt so deeply. Or we tried it and it just didn't work for us. We're not getting past that. We just have those feelings of anger and hurt. They well up in us. Whenever we think of that, 
there's that flood of emotion. Well, I want to say this. Forgiveness is a journey. Forgiveness is a journey. It's a journey more than it's an event. Some people will be able to... Um, they'll be able to have... Uh, uh, forgive somebody and it, it's just gone. Most of us, it's not that easy. Most of us have to journey with this a while. And, and I want you to think of forgiveness not just as an, an, an event. I prayed, God, I, I forgive that person, I released them, and walked away and never struggled with that again. Um, sometimes God will do that. Praise, praise God, he, he can do that. But most of us are going to find that there's a, there's a bit of a struggle that we have, that we're still hanging on to things, And that forgiveness is a journey. And that journey has some ups and downs. And sometimes sometimes we feel like we're we're making it and we're getting there and it feels so good. And then something happens and it just puts us right into a pit. And we're we're hurting and struggling with the same thing. And, And we're continuing the process of forgiveness. And that's um that's so important. Now, I'm short on time today, and so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to buzz through very quickly the rest of what I have there for you, and we'll, we'll flesh this out a little more um, next week. Because I don't, I don't know about you, but, but it's kind of like, help. I don't know what to do with this garbage in me. I don't know how to, how to handle this. Help me. How, how, how do I do this? I just want to give you a couple things, and we'll, we'll expand on these next week. First, focus on God's undeserving forgiveness of you. See, that's where we started in week one. How God forgave us so much. And, and God, says, God says, look, at your forgiving others is based on my forgiving you. You know what it's like to be forgiven. You know what it's like to do terrible things for your whole life, and I've forgiven you time after time after time after time. Now, on the basis of that, you forgive others. And, and we have to start there and say, God, you've been so gracious to me. I didn't deserve this. Look what you've done. You've forgiven me. And start there. Reconnect with his grace in your own life. Secondly, choose to obey. Choose to obey. We're told that uh, forgiveness is not an option for us. So we either choose, I choose to forgive... Remember, you know, I'll make a decision to forgive. And so we need to say, God, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but you tell us we have to do it, and I'm going to choose to obey you. And I don't know what this journey is going to look like, but I'm going to choose to obey because you commanded that. You called us to do that. And so we're going to, I'm going to do that. Thirdly, trust God for the outcome. You know, our, our walk with God is tested it's tested on the basis of, of God telling us what to do and we're trusting him with our lives enough to do that. Yeah, well, it doesn't feel right. Do it. Yeah, well, I, I, you, you trust God. Well, but if I do what God says, I may lose my job. Trust God. Yeah, but, but if I do what God says, I may not get married because I haven't found a Christian spouse. Obey God and trust trust your future to him. And that's where we need to be. Um, Next, seek God's blessing. 
He says, if you don't forgive others, I won't forgive you. Shut the tap of God's blessing. You know what? There's, there's a selfish kind of reason for doing this. Because I want God's blessing. And I know if I don't do what God wants me to do, I, I shut down his blessing to me. So seek God's blessing through obedience and trusting him. And when you put yourself in that place, God will bless you. Uh, grasp the bigger picture. I'm not even going to talk about that today. And rely on the Holy Spirit. See, we can't do this on our own. You can't do this. I can't do this. We require God's empowerment to do this. Look at in, in 2 Corinthians 3.18. The Apostle Paul says, and, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed. He's changing us into his image. He's making us like Jesus with ever-increasing glory. Now, how do we get there? How does, how does he transform us? It's through the Lord who is the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to help us understand what to do, to give us the impetus to do it, and give us the strength and the empowerment. There's a young man by the name of Louis Zamperini earlier this century. He just died two years ago at the age of 97. Um, He was a young uh, uh, Italian-American immigrant with his family. And... um, and he, he got himself into all kinds of trouble as, as a young guy. And his brother decided that the guy could run, so he, he got him into running. And he ran like the wind. Uh, there's there's uh, Louis is on the very left of your screen. In fact, he set um, 20-year records for high school runners. Uh, and he even got into the Olympics in the 5,000... Uh, meter distance. Uh, but here's this young guy, and, and uh, as the war was coming, he uh, offered to go into the Air Force. So he was in training in the Air Force, and um, here's this young man uh, now was in, uh, in Texas when they bombed, when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, and he was called into service. He went out and um, his plane was shot down. Eight of the 11 crew died. Three of them were left. They were in two little, uh, two little rafts for 47 days on the, on the Pacific Ocean. I mean, they were, they were fighting off sharks. Um, uh, they, they were trying to catch any birds that came near them. Uh, they were trying to collect, if it would rain, to collect some water. And, and drink it, and they just stayed alive until they were captured by the uh, Japanese. They're put in a prisoner of war camp. And um, in this prisoner of war camp, they found out that he had been an Olympic runner, and they thought he may have some value to him, to, to the Japanese, in terms of propaganda. But the guy who was in charge of this regiment was, was uh, nicknamed the Bird, and the bird had it out for Louis Zamperini. I mean, he'd, he'd existed for 47 days in a raft. One of the guys died. They, have to, they had to put him overboard. And, and 
this bird would, he would seek out Louis and he would beat him mercilessly for any reason. He would take off his belt and, and uh, have a, about a one-pound buckle that he would hit him up the, upside the head and cane him and beat him with rods and kick him. And, and this went on and on. Over two years, over two years this happened. And um, finally he would, uh, the, uh, the Axis lost the war and these guys were freed. And uh, Louis went home went home to his family, married, had children. But he had uh, post-traumatic uh, stress uh, disorder. And, and he woke up every night with, with nightmares, nightmares that he was killing his captors, uh, that he was uh, um, uh, choking them. He got into alcohol, and, and things were just terrible for him. He didn't know what he'd do. He, he was, his life was just a mess. And I want you to hear something of his story from that. He went through some terrible years where he was destroying his marriage. But Louis was saved by his wife's insistence that he go to see a sermon by Billy Graham, who at that time was a very young man, not very well known, but he was speaking in Los Angeles. Louis didn't want to go, but his wife was going to leave him. And he agreed on that basis to go see him speak. And he sat in the back of the audience and he was unhappy and he was sullen, but Graham spoke of things that resonated with Louis, with his experience about how God reaches into people's lives and helps them get through things that seem unsurvivable. I think all the prisoners had basically made the same prayer, get me home alive to my family, God, and I'll seek you, I'll serve you, and you make promises while you're under a dire situation. But uh, how many of them keep their promise? I didn't. And so my life fell apart. And it was at that moment that he made this realization to, to himself that he thought God had actually helped him through this, and he owed God something, and he realized what he needed to do. So I went forward in the meeting and made my confession of faith in Christ, and I couldn't believe what happened. While I was still on my knees, my life changed in a matter of moments because I knew I was still getting drunk, and I knew that I forgave my guards, and I knew it was a miracle because I forgave the bird. And, and that was the first night. The first night in two and a half years, I didn't have a nightmare, and I haven't had one since. And Louis realized that God can forgive him for all the rotten things he did in his life that he ought to be able to forgive those that had done him wrong. So forgiving the guards and the bird uh, was actually salvation for him. It really turned him around in an instant. He decided he needed to test his forgiveness to see if he really had truly achieved it. And he went back to Japan to meet the guards who had, who had abused him so terribly. And he went to Sagamo Prison, where they were all being held for war crimes. 
he went to every single one and looked him in the eye and told him that he forgave him for mm -hmm. the treatment that he received when he was a prisoner of war. He felt no animosity. He just felt compassion, and they couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe it. It was, it was a wonderful experience. He knew he had truly forgiven them. I think it's incredible that he forgave them. That's a lesson that he taught my father and me. By hating somebody, I'm not hurting them. I'm only hurting myself. You can forgive anybody. Forgiveness is always possible. The bird was not in custody when Louis went back to Japan in 1950, so Louis didn't meet him. Louis was actually told at the time that the bird was believed to have committed suicide. So Louis thought the bird was dead until many, many years later, 1997, I believe it was, someone told him the bird actually was alive and had survived. He said he nearly fell out of his chair when he was told that the bird was still alive. And the first thought he had was, I want to meet him. The bird refused to meet him, but Louis was at peace with it all. He had forgiven the bird. Well, if you don't forgive, it, uh, it's easy on your soul. Forgiveness must be complete, uh, no matter who the person is. And I've had a few enemies, even the last few years, and the only way I can forgive them is to pray for them. And that's what I do. Instead of hating them, I pray for them. Wow. Um, that's forgiveness. And you can't, you can't whip that up. That comes only by the power of the spirit of the living God that allows you to go into these people who abused you for over two years to look them in the eye and to say, I forgive you. I forgive you. And God calls us to do that very thing, to forgive each other. I'm going to call the musicians up, please. And, um, and you, you're saying, you know what, I'm just, I'm just kind of not there. I, you're on a journey. I can't do it right now. Yeah, but you, you can do by God's grace if you but turn that over to him and pursue in obedience. Uh, forgiveness can be possible for you. Let me pray. Father... We struggle with some of these things, and I just ask, dear Lord, that you would help us. Lord, I don't know what each person is dealing with, but Lord, you call us to be like you and to forgive each other, and I pray that you would give us the strength and the desire and the will and the wherewithal to begin to release those hurts of those who have, have done something to us and uh, begin to let go and find your grace uh, giving us freedom in this area. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.